The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Senator, it is uh, right now 1130 at night. Uh, For everyone that's listening this morning, we have been doing a live uh, verdict uh, before this. Uh, I want to do a recap. I think it's pretty clear now that if we were going to be waiting up for a official result in a lot of these races, we would not get any sleep at all. Let's kind of recap where we are at this moment. Uh, I think you would agree with me that is the the highlight of the night is we're taking back the House. Uh, the concerning moment of the night is the Senate is still very much uh, it's it's even at this point. Yeah. Uh, and that concerns all of us. This was a map that was uh, a map that was designed in this midterm for Democrats. They had the advantage. Uh, there's a lot of tribalism in this country. We can see now shocking that Fetterman is still in this one. Shocking what we're seeing in Arizona right now. But let's focus on the one exciting point in the House races. We are going to have a substantial red wave in the House. That means Nancy Pelosi is going to retire uh, and we won't have to deal with her anymore. But we're also going to have subpoena power in the House to get some stuff done that needs to be looked at. Well, I think that's right. Um, I think it is a good election tonight, uh, but I also think it could have been much better. So it, it is a red wave, but it's not as big a wave as it should have been. Frankly, given the disaster from the Democrats... This should have been a massive red wave, and, and we're going to take the House, but at this point it's not clear how big a majority. I had hoped it would be a 40-50 vote majority. I think it will be substantially smaller than that. We are losing a number of close House races that were winnable that we didn't win. Republicans at this moment have 175 seats. Uh, Democrats are 138 in the House. There's 121 at 1131 at night central time that are still up there. Uh, And again, we're going to win back the House. That's going to be great. Senator, I want to get into some predictions in in just a moment. But first, I want to tell everybody about an amazing company. And if you're a conservative, if you're a Christian conservative, you need to check out Patriot Mobile. 99% of you have a cell phone. How would you like to know that you're actually fighting for the causes you believe in every time you make a phone call? That's what happens when you're with Patriot Mobile. They are America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider, and they are a force for conservative values. Now, I've been telling you about them for years and been using them for years. Why? Because they take a portion of my bill every month and they fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and that is why I recommend them. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans that can save you money. 
They can save you money on your personal bill, your family's bill, and even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use the same towers and the same networks that you're using right now. Plus, every time you pay your bill and every time you use your phone, you're supporting conservative values that you believe in with every call. You want to save even more? Go online to patriotmobile.com slash verdict. Patriotmobile.com slash verdict, and you'll get free activation. You can also call them. Switching is easy, and many times you can keep the same cell phone that's in your hand right now. 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Use the promo code VERDICT. You'll get free activation and other amazing deals. PatriotMobile.com slash verdict or 972-PATRIOT. You look at the Senate right now, and this is the part that is very concerning. It's 47-47 as we speak. We're we're headed for probably a runoff Mm -hmm. in Georgia. For people that don't understand this, if you don't get above 50%. Right now in Pennsylvania, uh, Fetterman has a 40,000 vote lead with 82% in. And that's concerning. That, that is very concerning. But what um, does that tell you about the mistake that was made with, uh, with, and I say mistake because I think Oz was the easier candidate to beat, in my opinion, in the general. Look, I, I went all in for Dave McCormick in the primary. I leaned in vigorously. Part of the reason I went all in is I thought he was the strongest conservative who could win. I think if McCormick had been the nominee, he would have won decisively. Um, I hope Oz wins as, as we're sitting here late at night. I, I supported Oz once he was the nominee. I wanted him to win. I think Fetterman is a spectacularly bad candidate. He's radical. He's extreme. He's on the bleeding left. He's going to join, if he if he becomes the senator, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders in the cuckoo caucus of the Democrat Party. Um, that is not good. That's not, I think, where a lot of Pennsylvanians are, But but there were... What is the takeaway that a guy that has has clearly cognitive issues has had this stroke? I, I hate that for him sincerely, but can't even get through debates, says goodnight to begin the debate, cannot understand questions, basic questions. This is a guy you wouldn't want to be the pilot of your plane or your Uber driver. You probably wouldn't hire him for a lot of jobs right now. It's because of the of the medical issues. And yet he's leading as we speak at 1133 at night in a race that is so important that could that could really deal with who's in charge of the Senate. Look, the 2,386,595 people who as of now have voted for Fetterman, they only care about one vote he casts, and that's for Chuck Schumer. They don't care that he can spell his name. They don't care that he knows what's going on. They want him to vote for Chuck Schumer because... We are so deeply divided and tribalized. That's their team. For the same reason that there were no Philadelphia residents rooting for the Houston Astros. Why? Because their team is the Phillies. Of course, yeah. the, like, you know, that, it's not complicated. If, if you're a Philly guy, you root for the Phillies. Um, across the country, and this is true on both sides, this is true red and blue, where people right now put on their jersey and and they're not focused on if you could pu- pull those democrat voters I'd love to see a room attended those democrat voters and be like 
okay, do you agree with Fetterman voting over and over and over again to release murderers? Do you agree with that? Yeah. Do you agree with Fetterman saying we should release one third of the the criminals in, in prison in Pennsylvania? Do you agree with that? Like his positions have been radical. And yet, at least in this election, and we've been moving more and more in that path, radical or not. And, and by the way, I think many, if not most of those Democrats who voted for him don't actually agree with those views. But they don't really know about them. The corporate media doesn't cover them. And their view is just, I'm on Team Democrat. Yeah. So I vote, te- I vote Democrat, and, and that's, that's where we are. If you're going to win, you've got to make the election about issues and not personalities. And by the way, this is a broader point. I think too many of these Republican races became personality battles. Um, I, when you have first time candidates who've never run, who are celebrities or, you know, coming from outside, they, they have no record. They have no voting record. They've not been involved in issues. They've not, they've never taken a stand on anything. They frequently make major mistakes. And, you know, experience matters. Yeah. Like, actually knowing what you're doing matters. matters. Listen, you were a serious competitive tennis player. You played at Ole Miss. You know, if I wandered out on the tennis court for a competitive Division One game, I'd get crushed. And it doesn't matter that, that on my iPhone I have a tennis game that if I flick my finger, I, can, I have a yeah. wicked backhand yeah. on my iPhone. But it actually, experience does matter. And practice does matter. And spending, you know, when you were seven years old, you were going to tennis camp and practicing and, you know, hitting a backhand over and over and over and over again so that it became routine. If you look at some of these races with first-time candidates, what they became was personality battles. The single best political advice I've ever gotten came from Heidi, and it came years ago, right when I was getting started. And she said, remember, it's not about you. It's about them. It's about their lives. It's about their kids. It's about their family. It's about their future. Uh, You can tell a bad candidate if they stand up there and say over and over again the word I, 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 I. You know, I remember back in, in 2008, the Iowa caucuses, Hillary Clinton was supposed to have a coronation. And this unknown senator from Illinois stuns the world by beating her. And I'm watching the TV speeches that night. And Hillary Clinton gets up and her concession speech, such as it was, every third word was I, I, I. And over her right shoulder, Bill Clinton was standing, the best natural politician of his generation. And you could see Bill Clinton physically wince. It was like he was being punched. I remember I remember watching it. It was the difference between Hillary and Bill Clinton was just night and day. It's like, how did he not coach her more? He was in agony. I mean, it was he was in actual pain. Every time she said I, you could see the pain in his eyes. You cut to Barack Obama and his speech that night. Every third word was 
we, we, we. And watching that, my reaction is that guy's going to win. He, and, he, and I will say in, in too many of these races, it became about the personality and not about the issues that impact the kitchen table, the kids, the family, the safety, the security, that impact the people. That's what we need to make races about. There's some good news tonight. One of your dear friends, one of your closest friends in the Senate, we were concerned about this race, talked about it on this show. You went out there for Mike Lee. That race has now been called for Mike Lee. you got to be happy about that personally. I, look, I'm very happy. If, if Mike Lee had lost tonight, it would have been cataclysmic. I, I literally would have been in tears if Mike Lee had lost. He, he is by far my closest friend in the Senate. He is a smart, principled conservative. He's also the single most frequent guest on verdict. I think Mike has been three times on verdict. There's no other person that has been that many times on verdict. Um, his race was close. Public polling had it three points. At one point, it had him down. He ended up winning by, as of tonight, 12 points. He ended up winning pretty decisively. Um, and I think what happened was Republicans came home. That that even the, the sort of... So the reason he was in danger is all the Ds were voting for McMullen and the sort of wobbly Rs who want to be nice and, and aren't sure and think Mike is really conservative... They were flirting with McMullen, and, and, and I think the tribalism prevailed, and they said, okay, I'm not voting for the guy the Democrats support. I'm coming home. Um, I'm glad of it there. I'm not glad of it in the New York gubernatorial race. I wish Lee Zeldin had won. He ran an amazing campaign, by the way, with not near the resources that the Democrats had. You and I talked about this on the live portion earlier, and for I, I think it's important to recap. If there's any big takeaway from these midterm elections is that Democrats are doing a hell of a lot better job of fundraising and funding their candidates. Republicans are holding uh, back great candidates by not raising as much money as we need to to be competitive and win some of these races. And that may be one of the biggest takeaways from these midterms is it is time for Republicans to go out there and, and to get in this game and write more checks and to give more money to candidates because Democrats are doing an amazing job of that. And Republicans are, are, are letting too many candidates kind of hang out to dry for too long before at the last minute they go, okay, let's give a little extra cash. Year. Well, the damage is already done. Democrats are far better at fundraising nationwide than we are. We should learn from this now, getting ready for the presidential and the big election 2024. Look, we also need Republicans to step up and answer the call. And we need serious candidates um, with experience. You, you look at the best candidates this cycle. Um, Adam Laxalt in Nevada, who I backed early. Adam was the attorney general in Nevada. He ran for governor, did not win governor, but he's smart, experienced, talented. He has a record. He ran a disciplined campaign. Sitting here tonight, we don't know if he'll win or lose, but he was the best candidate to win in Nevada. If Adam doesn't win in Nevada, nobody could have won. And he was by far the best candidate to win in Nevada. Another one of the really good candidates this cycle uh, was Eric Schmidt in Missouri. Same thing. He was the attorney general in Missouri, smart, disciplined, and had been on the ballot, had a very conservative record, knew the pitfalls, knew the, the questions 
that that knew the ways you can step on a landmine and blow up. Um, if we end up, if the Democrats keep control of the Senate, which is entirely possible as we sit here tonight, I don't think it'll happen, but it's possible. You know, one person who could have altered that single-handedly is Chris Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire. Yeah. Chris Sununu, a very popular governor. If he had run for Senate, he would have won. And he made the decision, I like being governor. It's a better job. You know my reaction? So what? It's a better job? That's good for you? How about for the country? How about for the 300 million people that are getting screwed by these left-wing socialists? Um, look, Arizona, right now, I hope we pull out Arizona. Yeah, let's talk about Arizona because Arizona is one that you and I talked about a lot. You've been out there. This was a, a race that was obviously personality driven to go back to that theme for a moment. Uh, and what we're seeing in Arizona is not what we wanted to see, at least at this point tonight, as we are recording this at, at 1143 in the evening. And I will say, if you followed traditional standards for how you win Arizona, the obvious candidate to run was Doug Ducey, the incumbent Republican governor, relatively popular in the state. If you're talking about who could beat an incumbent Democrat with a ton of money, Ducey was the obvious choice. So why did Ducey not run? Ducey didn't run because Donald Trump hates him. And if Ducey had run, Trump would have carpet bombed him into oblivion. They would have had a civil war and we would have lost. So as a result, Ducey didn't win. If we end up losing Arizona, which I think we ought to look back and say, well, was there a candidate who could have won and, and why didn't they run? And, and is that good? Um, you look at Colorado. I think Colorado was a winnable state, although given the tribalism that played out, it may have been less winnable than possible. Then then initially it was perceived. I think Bennett was a very weak incumbent. I think he was vulnerable. But you look at the, at the Republican candidate, Joe O'Day. He's a business guy, never run for office, didn't know anything about politics. You know, nice guy. I met him. I liked him. I supported him. Um, what killed him? One, he was massively outspent. But secondly, he went on one of the Sunday shows, and they asked him, hey, what do you think about Trump wanting, running in 24? And he said, well, I would actively oppose that. I think that's a bad idea, and I would campaign against him, and he listed several other people that he would support. Now, in a normal universe where you had someone trying to run in Colorado, trying to appeal to moderate or independent or liberals in the Denver suburbs, that's not an insane answer for someone to say in a state like that. But the reaction of Trump should have been obvious. At this point, Trump's reactions are entirely predictable and consistent. Yes. Which he is, does not waver in his response. Uh, the next day, Trump turned around and punched him in the face and told people, don't vote for the guy. And the race was lost at that point. Now, look, I wish O'Day, when asked that question, that's not a hard question for O'Day to dodge, uh, to, to simply say, you know, I'm focused on 22 and, 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 and the voters can worry about that in the future. But it is an example where the fact that you had a candidate who'd never run, who didn't understand, how are they going to try to get me to step on a landmine? The reason that's a landmine in Colorado is whatever answer he gave yeah. pissed off a big chunk of voters he needed. He needed all the Trump hardcore supporters to be with him to have a prayer. 
but he also needed to not alienate the rest of the voters. And so that combination, I, I think, was unfortunate. You, you look at one of the other there things. There you go. Sununu that, won yeah, Sununu, by I was 14 say there. points as governor, while at the same time we lose the Senate race. That's shocking. If the Democrats keep the Senate by one seat, Chris Sununu single-handedly could have changed that. Which, it's amazing it's going to come down to that. You look at Georgia now, we're seeing a little bit of a lead for Warnock. I don't think either person at this point in the night, it looks pretty clear they're not going to get to the 50 plus one that you're going to need to win. That's going to go back to runoff. This could also be for the control of the Senate. It could all come down to Georgia, which which is not a place we want to necessarily go back to. Look, right now it looks like we're headed to a runoff in Georgia. Oh, this is good. Wisconsin right now, it looks like Ron Johnson has a three-point lead with 88% in, a 74,000-vote lead. Um, that's positive. Um, I, I think Ron will hold on. That's another seat. We need him to hold on. Um, I think he will. Uh, Fetterman is up 62,000 uh, votes with 83% in. And so how, how we deal with that. All right, Warnock. Warnock is up right now, yeah, almost 30,000 votes with 95% in, but it, they're both below 50% right now, so it looks like we're headed to a runoff. I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
When, when you look at this, the media is obviously going to go really, really uh, crazy and analyzing how much the Donald Trump endorsement helped or hurt. What is the takeaway from this, from, from that? Because they're going to spend weeks on this uh, saying, was he a, was he an asset or did he take away? You look at, he went all in in that race in Michigan for Tudor Dixon. She lost there. That was called pretty early yeah, in the no, night. No, he didn't. He didn't put money behind it. Well, that's true. Look, going all in when you have $100 million in the bank, go spend money. Tudor Dixon had no money. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, it was it was a massive differential in spending. Um, look, going all in is not sending out a tweet. Um, look, did it help or hurt both? It, it, it helped enormously. J.D. Vance would not be a senator without Donald Trump. Period. Full stop. J.D. Vance was losing that primary. Trump came in, endorsed him, and it catapulted Vance to the lead. Now, it's clear that Trump's endorsement has a much bigger impact in a Republican primary than in a general election. That much is clear. Um, with Vance, it turned out, and he's one of the exceptions. He'd never run before. He was a first-time candidate, and yet he proved more disciplined than some of the other first-time candidates. And I will say, you and I have talked at length about the nationwide month-long 17-state bus tour I did. I spent an entire day with J.D. Vance. I'd met J.D. before, but I didn't really know him. And he really impressed me. Um, for one thing, when I came to Ohio, we gave him a day and said, use it. And we told that to other candidates. Yeah. His campaign did a better job of using my time. So they had three rallies all over the state in different parts of the state. They had a big fundraiser where they raised a bunch of money that they had me come to. On the bus in between each of the different stops, they had me on the phone nonstop to talk radio host all over the state. So they systematically one call after the other. Now, you're particularly sympathetic to being on the phone with talk radio hosts. Absolutely. But it was it was <coughs> impressive. The first rally we did was at 9 or 9.30 in the morning. They had a packed house. They had hundreds of people come out early in the morning or relatively early. Yeah. That's unusual. There, there are a lot of camp campaigns that can't do that. And so... Trump won the primary for him, hands down. But I will say Vance ran a disciplined, effective campaign and, and won the general. And one of the lessons I think we need to take is to win, to win in 22 and to win in 24, we've got to be united. We've got to have, there are disparate <coughs> parts of the Republican Party where if we're at war, the Democrats win. Now, that doesn't mean that within the party we shouldn't press the party. Look, I have famously battled Republican leadership for years, and I fully expect going forward to continue doing so. We should have vigorous fights about what we should stand for and what we should do, and I'm going to press harder than anyone for the Republican majorities to act like it and deliver on our promises. By the way, we just saw Wisconsin narrow. It's now a 30,000 vote margin. That's less than ideal. Um, and Fetterman's up 62,000 votes. Which is just shocking to me in Pennsylvania that Fetterman, a guy that had the worst debate, I think, in history, modern political times, is actually winning by 62,000 votes as we do this at 1152 Central Time at night over Dr. Oz there. 
Uh, I, and, and now, I will right. say, by the way, in Pennsylvania, the Democrats have gone out of their way to say, remember, the votes won't be done on election night. We're going to be counting for days to come. So who the heck knows what kind of cluster yeah. is going to unfold in Pennsylvania. But the degree to which both Pennsylvania and Arizona, I, I don't know if the counting and, and it may be true in Nevada also that the counting could continue for some time. It seems it, I have it, a feeling we're going to be doing another verdict, a special one on Wednesday, because that's how long it's going to take to figure out what all this actually is going to look like. But a clear lesson is when you go into a general election, you've got to unite the clans, to use a, a Braveheart reference. You've got to bring everyone together. If we're divided, we lose. Um, another clear lesson is you need effective, serious candidates. My philosophy is the strongest conservative who can win. And you got to have resources that if we send our candidates in and they're being outspent three to one or five to one or ten to one, they will lose. And at the end of the day, we need to ask ourselves, do we want to lose our country because we're not funding these people? Because the differential is is deeply concerning. So so those those are two significant takeaways. Let's talk about the mindset for for everyone that's hearing this. I think there's a lot of people that are going to be waking up and be a little bit depressed that this is the outcome. It is still significant that we're going to take back the House. Yes. That is something that is going to hold this administration accountable. It's going to be able to investigate this administration. It could lead to things like a possible impeachment and Mayorkas and other things like that that are very important and accountability for Fauci uh, and what he did with gain-of-function research and funding and Wuhan Institute of Virology and all of the things that happened there. Uh, let's not overlook that. That is a big moment. We should celebrate it. And, and for people that yes. might be a little bit down, don't be, because that is huge for this country. Fully agree. Senate-wise, I, I, I mean, this is you, that's where you serve. What's Look. your takeaway? I don't know. Um, looking at it right now, 96% in in Georgia, Warnock's ahead, Walker's uh, behind, neither over 50. If that goes to a runoff, it could be control of the Senate. Um, Pennsylvania, right now, Fetterman's winning. <coughs> yeah. If we lose Pennsylvania, let's suppose we lose Pennsylvania. And we win Nevada. And by the way, we don't have any numbers right now from Nevada. So I think I, I think Laxalt is a good candidate. But we've seen tribalism, Democrats <laughs> returning to their team. I, I don't know that Adam wins Nevada. I hope he does. I, I want him to. I've campaigned with him repeatedly. I think he's a good candidate. But the results in other states are not suggesting the kind of red tsunami that there's some Nevada numbers that we just got in there. This is obviously with with hardly any. This is maybe the first place coming in that's reporting there uh, with 0.14 percent coming in at 1159. Um, and, and these are going to change a lot because you're talking about one polling place or two coming in there. But like you said, you look at tribalism, that doesn't make you as hopeful there as we would have been a couple hours ago. Yeah. So, listen, if we are looking at a scenario 
where we lose Pennsylvania and we win Nevada, then we're back to the runoff in Georgia determining control of the Senate. It's not what uh, we Assuming thought. we don't win Arizona, and I guess yeah. there's an outside chance, but we're looking at the numbers right now, and Kelly's up 16 points, and now 50% is in. Maybe, that's, but that's a big margin. That's a big, no, I mean, when you're talking about 228,000 vote differential, uh, that's, that is significant. That would be a lot to overcome. Now, you can't overgeneralize because it depends, like there can be really blue counties and really red counties, counties and maybe yeah. the blues are all in and the reds haven't come. So I've seen swings, but swings are typically in the five-point range and not the 17-point range. Yeah. This is, uh, this is not the night we were hoping for in the Senate. I think we can agree with that. There's the newest Nevada numbers. We just got a big dump that came in, 33% reporting there. Uh, Adam at 42%. Uh, she's at now at 54% up on the screen there. That no, is they significant. Just, they just called Fetterman. And, and, and this in Pennsylvania, uh, this is not the news we were wanting. Damn it. Uh, and Fox News has just called the Fetterman race as the winner there, 49.4, uh, to Oz at 48.2. That is a gain for the Democrats there. Uh, that now changes everything in the Senate, Senator. Um, we've got to win Georgia and Nevada to take control of the Senate. And not lose Wisconsin. I, I think you and I both thought at dinner we'd be 52, 53. That's gone I, I was at 53, 54. That, that ain't happening. Um, maybe we get to 51. But we could easily be with the Democrat Senate. That losing Pennsylvania changes the math profoundly. Now that they're calling it this way, the biggest mistake in Pennsylvania was picking Oz. I did rallies all over the state of Pennsylvania with McCormick. I went all in. If and by the way, people may not realize this. That was a very, very, very slim loss in number of votes that it night. It was a few thousand votes. Yeah, a couple thousand votes. And McCormick would have won tonight. So, so it may be that that primary gave the Democrats the Senate. If that's the outcome... That's hard to stomach. Hard to stomach. If you go back and look at that primary, it was a very divided primary, and there were forces that were involved that were very influential in picking Oz. That may have been one of the biggest mistakes for control of the Senate. Uh, again, now everyone calling Pennsylvania now for Fetterman. Look, um, That's not good. Yeah. It's not good for the country. One thing I know for sure, we'll be doing another podcast, I think, on, on Wednesday because it's not going to end. Uh, we're not going to know tonight, I think, for sure, as we're doing this at midnight. It, it, but by the way, Ben, since this is airing tomorrow morning, yes, um, some of the folks watching it tomorrow morning will not have participated in our live event tonight. They may wonder why the hell we're drinking White Claws. Yes, that's very true. We should end on at least an entertaining note. We are uh, both having a White Claw. Will you ever drink another one of these the rest of your life? I, I, I doubt it. This is I doubt, the only this is White the only Claw one I'm gonna, I, This is the only I, one I'm going to do I, as well. I have ever drunk. It was mango. I like mango, but but I tend, if I'm going to drink uh, an alcoholic beverage, a beer is quite fine, or a yeah. glass of wine, I, I think hard seltzer is not my thing. 
Well, in, in honor of you taking two shots of White Claw this week and, and blocking uh, one, uh, I figured it was entertaining. Why not? So, so I had two cans, full cans, unopened cans of White Claw thrown at me. By the way, Ben, I'm going to say, so this is now an empty can because I've drunk it, so I'm going to throw it at you right now. Um, that, by the way... I'm not going to throw this one at you because mine's, like no, mine's like 90% full. I'm like the kid that's just holding the fake beer in college, right? Yeah, no, I, I, well then please don't throw it yeah. at me because I don't wish you to, I don't wish to smell a mango. Yes, yes. Like... Okay, that will really, you come home to, to, to Heidi, you walk in the bedroom, yeah, you, and your husband stinks of mango. mango. I don't even know what you accuse him of. Yeah, like, what yeah. are you, maybe, maybe I ran to Cancun. You ran to Cancun, that. that would be the only thing. Where were you really tonight on election night? Um, but yes, uh, in the uh, victory parade for the Astros, where there were over a million people came out in Houston, there were some angry Democrats. Actually, I think every Beto supporter in the state came out, even though he... Beto lost by 12 points statewide. They were at the parade and they were yelling and convinced their guy was going to win. And, you know, one guy flung two full and unopened cans of White Claw, which I think the fact that it was White Claw is highly revealing. Yes. Um, first one missed, landed in the vehicle. The second one was headed at me and I blocked it with my arm, knocked it down in the vehicle. I wasn't hurt at all, but uh, but the fellow was arrested and is facing charges and 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 i will say I, I i put out a statement thanking the police who did a fabulous job uh keeping me safe arresting him um but but i did say i'm glad the clown who threw his white claw at me uh had, had a noodle for an arm because if he you know if he could throw a 90 mile an hour fastball i, I might have been uh uh, might have been in the hospital rather than, than than here with you on the verdict stage. That's very true. As we sign off tonight, Senator, uh, biggest race you're happy that we won tonight at least. Uh, I want to get that. Mike, Mike Lee, Lee, Mike Lee, Mike Lee. Um, biggest house race you're excited about for you? You busted your tail on the bus tour. There's got to be one that you're going, I love that victory. So I haven't seen all the results. I need to go through the house victories. I'm very glad Monica Dela Cruz won. That's a big deal in the Valley. History. It. it it is a seat that has been Democrat for over 100 years. And so the valley is turning red. It didn't fully turn red this time. I thought it was this time, but it is moving that direction. I think that's a good thing. Biggest shock race of the night for you? Pennsylvania. That's mine, too. I, I was hoping you were um, going to say that. Look, I think Fetterman is such a radical candidate. And I'm sad that the party tribalism of Democrats in Pennsylvania trumped reason and rationality. Um, it's going to be very telling for the presidential election. Pennsylvania, this one tonight, for me, just tells me there is such a small uh, uh, number of voters that are willing to switch tribes, even with a terrible economy. And maybe it's more on the Democratic side, right, than the Republican side. But it is shocking to me that with how bad things yeah. are in this country yeah. and in Pennsylvania, that you still can't get people to vote for what may be best for their community. Instead, it's just, I'm a Democrat, damn it, and I'm going to always be a Democrat, and I'll vote for the most incompetent human being out there if, it, if they have a D next to their name. And that concerns me about the presidential because it's no longer 3 4% of independents that you've got to swing, right? The swing voters, it may be down to half a percentage point in some of these states. Look, this election was a turnout battle. 
and we'll see where turnout comes out. But we're going to have to process the numbers. Um, I don't know how much of it was that ours didn't turn out as much as they needed to, and I don't know how much of it was that D's, despite everything being in the crapper, showed up and pulled the lever D anyway and said, you know, you know, g- give me more cowbell. I, th- that's just what I need. You know, it, it's, you know, to mix my metaphors, I just did Christopher Walken, but let's go to Animal House. Thank you, sir. Can I have another? Apparently <laughs> they, they really like getting smacked with the board and, and, and want more of it. And, and that, uh, we need to do a better job making clear the stakes of these elections in people's lives. I, we mentioned before, this can't be a personality battle. It needs to be about substance and policy and how people can have a better life yeah, or a worse life, because that's what the stakes are. As we end tonight, 12.05 a.m. Central Time after 1 o'clock uh, Eastern Time. If there's any, I like to leave people with one thing that you can hold on to. Nancy Pelosi will no longer be the Speaker of the House. I, I, if there's anything that can get you fired back up, even if you're upset about where some of these races went, at least Nancy Pelosi will retire and we will not have to deal with her ever again. In my side bet is she will become a constituent of Ron DeSantis's, which is particularly amusing because I think she'll retire to, to retire to Florida and 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 live on the beach, uh, which which is irony. Personified. Hey, if we made any history night, you drink a white claw, and I drink one uh, one tenth of a white claw <laughs> <laughs> tonight, Center. I enjoyed sitting down with you doing this tonight live on Verdict. For everybody watching, I'll say it to you: make sure you download uh, the Verdict wherever you get your podcasts. We do it three times a week. Two of them are audio only. So if you're watching this, make sure you download the podcast. Uh, for all of the people listening Wednesday morning with this podcast, I have a feeling we'll probably be putting out another one, letting you know after we get some of the more of these numbers in. So just download, hit that subscribe, auto download button on your phone, and then you'll automatically know when that next episode of ours drops. Senator, uh, God bless America tonight. Uh, the people have spoken in many places. We may not like what they said everywhere, but at least uh, this is the greatest country in the world, and people got to vote today, Amen. and that always makes me happy. Thank you, sir, and uh, it, was, it was fun doing this with you tonight. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.